0: And it just led me to realize, you know what? I need to change myself for the better. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds.
1: Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organization, well being, energy, and resilience. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I am co-presenter and today Joe is interviewing Dom Brightman. Dom was introduced to us by Alex Dumas, our guest on show number 111. Dom is an award-winning speaker and certified member of the John Maxwell team. He is the author of Going North, Tips and Techniques to Advance Yourself and runs a top-rated self-help podcast with the same name that interviews authors from all over the world. His mantra is Advance Others to Advance Yourself. Back to the studio. Today, I'm interviewing Dom Brightman. Welcome, Dom. Great to have you with me.
0: Uh, it's great to be here, Joe. How are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling good. <laughs> it's the end of the day, so I'm feeling good and uh, looking forward to my evening. How are you?
0: Uh, looks like your day's ending. Mine's just beginning. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Excellent. So tell us a bit about who you are, what you do, and where you do it.
0: Sure thing, so name's Dominic Don Breitman, as Joe mentioned earlier, and I'm a certified leadership expert and coach of the John Maxwell team, and in addition to that, when I'm not coaching and speaking, also writing books, a two-time author and Amazon best-selling author of the book called Stay the Course, The Elite Performer's Seven Secret Keys to Sustainable Success, and I'm also a podcast host as well, so life's basically around books because books are kind of like the treasure troves of stories and knowledge to absorb to not only better your life, but better other people's lives. So you can kind of call me a bookie.
1: <laughs> Excellent. So where are, where are you based?
0: Based out in the city of charm, crime and crabs known as Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs>
1: yeah, I wouldn't have got that from the clues. <laughs> 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 and for those people who, aren't aware of John Maxwell team tell tell us a a bit about um who is it a he is it a just a company now or is John Maxwell a person
0: (laughs) oh don't worry it's a he and he's alive and well 72 (laughs) at the time of this recording so for those been living under 15 rocks John C Maxwell is the world's number one leadership authority and he's been a very very well first communicator for the past 50 years. He started off as a young pastor out in a small church in Hillham, Indiana. He was a pastor of that small church, helped them to grow. Then he went to San Diego, California, helped the church to become one of the top 10 growing churches in the early millennium. And then helping so many other churches grow, we actually left pastoring to become a full-time businessman and helping other folks to become better leaders. And he's a New York Times bestselling author of over a hundred books and about six years ago, actually, wow, I think it's almost seven years ago. Now he started the John Maxwell team as a part of his legacy legs because he originally thought that his books was going to be his legacy, but his books affected so many people in a such a positive way that he actually now has a training company called the John Maxwell team, where you're basically licensed certified to teach his materials to Keep his legacy going because John Maxwell, he, his books, his writings have saved my life personally, especially his book, The 21 Qualities of a Leader. And it just mentioned like so many qualities of a leader and the qualities that a leader should have. And I strive to have most of those qualities, if not all of those qualities, and help me to become more of an extrovert because I used to be fully introverted, like in the corner or whatever, geeky kid, not really much on the sports team, or whatever to this dynamic speaker whose aim is to help others to advance in life. Because if you advance others, you advance yourself in the process.
1: Mm-hmm. So how did it all change for you then? Obviously the book and, and, and John Maxwell uh, himself inspired you, but you've already said you were quite different uh, in the past and you've changed quite considerably. How did that happen and, and why do you do what you do now?
0: Yeah, so back in 2012, on my 21st birthday, after my father was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, I got into a car accident on my way to class, and just on top of that, I also, a few weeks later, was called into a meeting by my boss at the time, because I had a part-time job at a library, and I wanted to pride myself to be early off to actually keep the personal and professional lives separate but as years go by and time goes by you realize that's kind (laughs) of near impossible because what happens in your private life will affect your public life and just the fact of seeing basically my hero decay my father and that car accident just not being at my best it all compounded with that means like hey you're screwing up here here and here and it just led me to realize, you know what, I need to change myself for the better. Because for that up to that point, I had a had that library job for about a good five years up to that point. And that's solid, great work, except for those few weeks leading up to that meeting. And I really liked books, but I never had a real habit of voraciously reading books. So after that, realizing that hey, something needs to change. I had a desire for change. So that's when I actually came across John Maxwell by going in the leadership section of the library, picking up that book, and then eventually setting a goal for myself by reading at least 50-plus books a year from various subjects, mostly in nonfiction, to become a better communicator, a better speaker, as well as just a better all-human being, because it's always great to also to develop relationships along the way, because that's really the time that we're in. It's, it's where folks that know you, are the ones that will actually support you, buy from you, and actually help you to become a better person. And not only setting that goal of reading 50-plus books a year, but to also have a New Year's mantra for the year of basically setting a one-to-three-word mantra. And 2013, after that few months of struggle, I wouldn't realize, you know what, 2013 was going to be the year of rebirth, becoming a stronger version of myself I actually became more of an extrovert and became more of a pe- people person and some folks like hey you running for mayor or something like no no I'm not not a politician <laughs> not a politician but I do like people and like helping people so that's really where it all came from
1: that's quite an amazing story that you basically picked up a book and now you're doing what you're doing <laughs> it's uh it's quite a transformation and and quite quick as well really
0: oh yeah yeah i mean I'm, I'm still a work in progress there's still some things i need to work on myself so so even though there was a little bit of a quick in terms of the story it's really it's still a work mm. in progress so it it, it ain't over no we're, none of us is done if we're alive but... we still got something to do
1: yeah absolutely so tell us more about some of the things that you did do to to make that change and obviously you you've you've mentioned your um mantra and you've you've talked about um you know reading lots of books a lot of people read books but don't actually put things into practice so you know it, it it creates a um increase in knowledge but it doesn't necessarily change the way that people behave why did that work for you
0: I think it worked for me because I actually was naive enough and actually, I guess, depending on who you ask, smart enough to take the advice from those books and actually put them into practice because a lot of Maxwell's books have activities at the end of the books. And another book I read by an author by the name of David Schwartz who wrote the book The Magic of Thinking Big. He has another book that he wrote after that called The Magic of Getting What You Want. And an activity in there mentions how you should, if you really want to put your personal development on steroids in a way, is to write your own personal obituary, and that was another way of actually getting myself to where I currently am at the moment as an author, because one of the things I wrote in that obituary was to become an author, and not only just an author, but a best-selling author, and I was able to do that with the help of friends and family who actually supported me, and purchasing the work and some folks even leaving reviews and not only that but also being a dynamic speaker as well and just inspiring others to embrace their dreams and another way of actually taking that personal development and doing that is to not only do that and to actually write bitch obituary but to also just journal I mean it it doesn't even even though it's highly recommended to be done every day if you do it at least sporadically at least do some kind of recording of your life it'll pay off dividends because you'll have something to look back go back to and look on because sometimes i go through my journals in the past and see where i was some years ago and it's amazing how the growth can happen so that's also another thing too is just journaling and heck even if someone may be brave enough out there you can actually publish a book on your own using some of the things you've journaled about if you feel like bringing that out into the open because a lot of folks are publishing books nowadays. And it's, it's really great because if anyone wants to write a book, it's easy now than ever.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so how, did you, how did you write your book? Because again, you know, lots of people say they want to write books, but not many people actually do that. Or, or if they do start, they don't finish or, or get, pub, uh, you know, get to the point of publishing it. How, how did you approach that?
0: Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. So the way I approached it was, it was in a Toastmasters meeting. And for those who don't know about Toastmasters, it's a nonprofit organization where folks develop themselves as leaders and speakers. And one of the talks I was giving were quite a Q&A session. And a friend of mine, he asked me, like, hey, when's your book coming out? Because there was a moment in time where a couple days ago, someone dared me to write a book, and I didn't accept that dare. And what made that story even Funny is the fact that (laughs) this was after wrote the obituary saying I was going to be an author. (laughs) But just after that moment, him asking me that question, I was like, all right, darn, all right, I can't really back down from this. So I was like, you know what? A year from today, I'm going to have my first book published. (laughs) Yeah, so (laughs) it was pretty interesting. So after that, I ran home. I wrote down 14 pages of content from pen to paper, like literally wrote down. actual stuff and those 14 pages I actually drilled it down polished it up and made it the last chapter of my first book and then I kind of went through a period of hibernation away because that was November 2015 when it happened and didn't pick it back up again until around January 2016 and every weekend after work I would go to a Dunkin Donuts a Starbucks or a coffee shop and just write down my thoughts about certain subjects so if it was like leadership i write down thoughts about leadership time management what what i would think about that and just mindset what what my thoughts on about mindset was and just writing down my thoughts on paper and then just sitting down for about a good 60 to 90 minutes just writing down whatever just came out of me and putting it down on paper because It's a good thing to actually write down your thoughts because it helps you to clarify your thoughts. And if you want to write a book based off of that, you can also go back and type in your stuff so that way you're editing as you're going along because sometimes I write stuff down at the coffee shop and I go back home and actually type it in the computer later. It's like, okay, what the heck was I smoking when I wrote this? (laughs) 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 So, yeah, it's like, yeah. It's kind of better that way as opposed to the old-fashioned typing. I mean, yeah, it's not as quick, but still, it just gives you another way to polish your work and give yourself an idea, maybe expand on it, too. So that's really how I took on that writing process of the book.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Impressive stuff to just say you're going to do it, and then go and write the last chapter. <laughs> <laughs> that's, another,
0: that's another thing too. I mean, yeah, it's great to put an outline out for a book. If it's a nonfiction book, just make the outline. But it doesn't have to be in order when you write it. Because kind of like a call back to the opening. I mean, those 14 pages that was the ended up being the last chapter of the book, and everything else that was just random moments. That end up having to piece together. Under certain chapters, so don't even worry about the order at first.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what, Tell us a bit about what your sort of day look like, because you you obviously have been you've you know written a book. You're you're coaching people. You're you're doing various things. Reading a lot still, by the sound of it. Um, how do you organise what you do and get done? What you need to get done.
0: The best way for me to organize is usually writing things down on a note card the night before and just organizing them in like an ABC slash one, two, three method and having my main event as the first thing, the thing I need to conquer for the day. So if I have like a big presentation, that's usually like the first thing, write down like a deliver a dynamite presentation and hopefully someone inspired to do something big in their life as opposed to maybe like a project at work that may needs to get done. Cause I, in addition to all this, still have a daytime job on top of this. Cause I mean, still need health insurance. So it <laughs> <You> just gotta
1: <laughs> yeah
0: keep that in mind. As well. I usually try to keep it up to at least a maximum of six items because what I've noticed in the trial and error is that when I write down more than five or six things to do for the day, I'm not going to get the whole list done because sometimes I would, I would experiment, try 10 items for the day and I still ended up getting six to seven things done. So trying to at least get it up to at least six. And that's actually recommended by, I believe, a guy by the name of Chet Holmes and in his book called The Ultimate Sales Machine because he borrowed that from Mary Kay Ash when she usually had six things to do for the day. just keeping it at six because there's only so much you can do in a day i mean we all got the same amount of time and we can only use that time to the best of our ability and it also depends on the energy for that day too so another thing is that since it's coming to the close of summer i haven't been working out as much as i would like (laughs) just being being a little bit vulnerable there for a moment and i've noticed the difference so that's another thing, too, is just getting back into a routine of exercise where it's like a light little mm. mix of push-ups, sit-ups, and squats, and things like that to get the blood pumping, so you'll be able to produce more. Because I I noticed a difference, in. I'm pretty sure some of your listeners know the difference, too. It's like when you don't do something active to get your body moving, then you're going to be more sluggish, and you're not going to feel like doing much at all.
1: Mm-hmm how do you determine these six items how do you determine the sort of the, the relative size of them because i mean i you know you could easily put 20 things on your list but they might take 5 minutes each or you could put one thing which would take up the whole day is do you have a process for determining determining that do you, do you work out the time and chop it up or how do you decide the sort of relative um time and effort required for each of those tasks?
0: Yeah, so for those, it usually depends on the task. So if it's it's like a presentation, then it usually depends on what, what I prepare beforehand and try to match the calendar with it. So if it's like a Google calendar, I try to look at the Google calendar and see what I have planned for the day, like a podcast interview. I usually block out a good 45 minutes for it even though the average interview takes about 30 to 37 minutes, it's usually for working out the possible kinks, kind of like what you and I had earlier <laughs> for moments like that too. There's moments just, when
1: we can't actually hear each other. It doesn't work yeah. well on a podcast, does it?
0: <laughs> no, it does. It's like, yeah, so how about that cactus? Wait a second. We're talking about productivity here. Leave the cactus
1: alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and do you and do you tick off everything on that list of six things, or do you do you carry things over?
0: <laughs> sometimes I carry things over. I, I'm not gonna lie, cause some sometimes it's like, all right, cause like with for example, like if someone goes ghost on me at the last minute with the interview or whatever and doesn't show up, then and then they come back for an explanation later. It's like, oh, I gotta reschedule that. Or if for some strange reason I had to do like a visit at a certain club and they may have canceled the last minute it's like all right gotta reschedule that because there's probably this phrase you might be familiar with that control is an illusion it's like we all want control but we can only control up to a fault we can only focus on what we can't control yeah and nature may come out of nowhere and be like nah buddy let's remind you of who's in control Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you have to push that item aside for another day
1: (laughs) yes yeah yeah exactly so how do you um, manage getting stuff done uh, in a sort of practical way? So you've got your list. Um, do you have a to-do list? Do you have um, tools and apps that you use? Especially given you're doing this alongside a, a job as well. It's, it, you, know, you have limited time, don't you? So how do you manage these, these items?
0: Yeah, so I'm a little bit of a simple fellow. I usually just go buy an index card or one of those small notepads. And with the combination of Google Calendar as well on the smartphone, I really don't use any major apps because even though <laughs> I had an IT degree a few years ago, I'm really not too much of a techie guy because it usually with pen to paper, it sticks in your head a lot easier
1: mm-hmm. as
0: opposed to the phone. And not to mention, sometimes if you schedule on other people's calendars, it doesn't always sync up properly, and you end up overbooking <laughs> 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 or double booking. So, <laughs> oh.
1: yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you can do that on paper too. <laughs>
0: yeah, you can do it on paper too. It's like, yeah, yeah, but it's just a combination. So just have a Google Calendar and just pen and paper.
1: <laughs> Try <laughs> to keep it <that> simple. <laughs> it's funny for all for all the talk about um uh you know technology and and millennials and everything else i i seem to find it's it's my um younger guests who use more analog <laughs> and older guests who use more digital which is quite interesting maybe the world is uh turning in on itself and we're going to end up back completely with with paper <laughs> <laughs> sure. i don't know so you talked about um, exercise being really helpful to you in terms of focus and having sort of energy to, to get done what you need to get done. What else do you do to make sure that you're in a position to be able to, to, to do all these things that you do? Because as we say, you're obviously, you know, working a, a job as well as running a business, doing a podcast. Clearly, you need to maintain your energy levels. Have you got any other tips around that for us?
0: Oh, yeah. Drink water first thing in the morning as soon as you wake up because Mm -hmm. your body's dehydrated from all the sleeping as soon as you empty yourself when you first wake up. So just filling yourself up with water first before the actual coffee itself, because even though coffee is great, at least for me anyway, it's it's still not a great idea because it it really just leaves you with a little bit breathless in a way if you do a lot of walking and running afterwards. So basically just water first thing in the morning and also just affirmation use as well. I usually do that on occasion. Sometimes I like to shout out loud, like something really good is going to happen to me today. And on occasion, I usually try to yell out, do it now, do it now, do it now, at least a good 30 to 50 times. So that way I can try to get myself into that zone Because there may be times where it's like, you're, you're, we're all human here. There's going to be days where you're not going to feel like you just want to curl up in almost the fetal position, maybe put on an invisible turtle shell and just (laughs) hibernate (laughs) (laughs) for a bit. And it's like, no, let me just shut out, do it now so I can actually get out there and do it now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So how do you work with with your clients when you're um, working with the John Maxwell team, what what what's the sort of model for that in terms of um, how you help people to improve their leadership?
0: The main model I like to use is question based. So basically, asking questions and listening, because especially from the coaching aspect, most folks know what they want out of life. They just need it to be drawn out of them. And if you just ask the right questions and then just listen. And then do a little nudge here and there. It usually helps folks get redirected north in a way to where they want to be. And heck, there also is this exercise out there where it's usually the seven layers deep where you ask yourself why seven times about a certain thing. It's it's like, all right, so why do you want to be successful? It's like, what is success? It's like, why do you want to be successful It's like, yeah, I want to provide for my family. All right, that's good. And then it's like, why? Mm. Well, hey, I like, yeah, it's like, you yeah, want to provide for my family. And then I just want to have like, have a really good feeling like, hey, I feel like I've done something in from life and then ask why again. It's like, all right. And then that's when I'm when usually around the third or fourth one. Folks usually stop trying to think, and then that's when the uh, heart comes out because it's like the mind's like, all right, shoot, uh, all, all right, I'm out. All right, hard to get in there. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, all right. Yeah. So, what do you really feel?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, sort of pulling away all the sort of layers that are uh, sort of rational answers to to that question, and and getting really to the to the heart of it. Yeah.
0: That's mm. right. Everybody's an onion, baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> So what about learning and improving yourself? You talked at the beginning about how you this all you know, your your sort of recent journey all kicked off from reading a, a book. Are you still reading as voraciously as you were?
0: Oh yes, ma'am, I am. Still reading books. I read a lot of books. I mean, of course, Max is my favorite author of all time, but also read folks books from folks like Stephen Chandler with his book, A Hundred Ways to Motivate Yourself and A Hundred Ways to Motivate Others. And then there's a book by Stephen K. Scott, an older book called A Millionaire's Notebook, where it, this book is probably like published like in 95. It's an older book, but it still has some great principles about making sure you have a mentor in your life. And a couple other books I read this year. One is from a guy by the name of Antonio T. Smith, who wrote the book called So Happy and Grateful. And it's like a five and a page book, but the way the font is set up in the book, it's really large print, so it's a quick read. And the last book I will recommend for this year's "From Homeless to Billionaire" by Andres Pira, where mm-hmm. he basically set out to prove the book "The Secret" wrong, and he ended up <laughs> proving it right <laughs> by taking the activities from it. So not yeah. only reading and doing the activities from it, but also Making sure that I record my presentations because sometimes I may even learn for myself because out of the mouth, the heart speaks. And also my podcast is a learning opportunity as well because I get to listen from other folks, hear the stories, be inspired and may listen or hear a tip or something interesting that I may write down later to use. So that's mm. really where a lot of my learning comes from nowadays.
1: And how do you organize your podcast are you asking specific questions is it a very sort of fluid what what comes up is there a theme to it a structure how, how does that run
0: yeah so it's your, right now the podcast itself is a free flowing conversation because at one time I when I started out I had these five or six questions that I made sure I ask every single guest and then around the 20th time I asked somebody what's what's their favorite music that they like to listen to it was like okay this feels stupid you want to listen like all right you can drop that question I'm like all right cool <laughs> so it's more of a free-flowing conversation the, the only real single question i ask it okay well two questions is of course the one to promote themselves at the end of the interview and also what advice they would give themselves if they were 25 in the current year with all their amassed knowledge and experience. So instead of folks going back in time and investing in Apple stock, it's like, nope, you're currently a millennial in the year of 2019 or whatever. And you got to navigate your way through life with all of your new amassed knowledge.
1: Ah, so how old are you now?
0: Currently 27.
1: Okay. So we can do that with you then. So (laughs) (laughs) So if you, what, so how, how, how do you put how do you set to people? You say, if you were twenty five now, with everything you know now, what would you do? Is that what you say?
0: Yeah, that's basically the way it, Go it goes. Answer. <laughs> yeah, so what I would do is I would basically tell myself to make sure that no matter what happens, you have an aggressive form of personal development. Don't get so down on yourself. And actually lose heart. So make sure you just stay courage, keep yourself full of courage, keep up with the workouts, and never slack off of the workouts because there is going to be a time where you're going to be losing your dad and it's not going to be a good feeling at all. So make sure you keep up with the workouts and don't slack off with that because there's going to be a dirty bulking face (laughs) that you want to avoid. (laughs) So that's the advice I would give to myself.
1: Oh, I have to get you back in 10 years or something and find out the next bit. So what, um, what, what has come up from, from, for you from those questions of your guests? Is, Is there anything that stands out that, um, because it's interesting it's really hard when you're young to think about being older and having sort of wisdom that you've gained over the years it it just seems like a bit of a cliche um but I was 50 this year and for the last few years I've been talking to people and saying oh if only if only we could sort of bottle what you do know when you're you know 30, 40, 50, 60, however old, and and somehow give it to, to young people. But, of course, it doesn't work like that because you've got to live through it, haven't you? You've got to experience it in order for it to actually stick anyway. But, um, uh, you know, is there anything that's come out of those questions that, that really has stuck with you?
0: Oh, yeah, there there was quite a few Um. Funny enough, uh, one of the answers I had to take out of the um <laughs> in the final cut of the episode because um I'm not sure how our kids would have would have felt with that. I was like, Yeah, if I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't be a mom if I was twenty five again. I'm like, oh Oh,
1: no, yes, you wouldn't want that one in That would stand out, wouldn't
0: it? Yeah, that one's probably stood out the most. It was like it was like last summer when I asked that one, interviewed that person. And I was like, okay, just like Is it? Is that, is that wrong? I'm like, uh kinda is, but <laughs> on one hand it's like, yeah, I mean life it, it's like they wouldn't be able to live, but on one of the end it's like, all right. <laughs> the whole parenthood thing, the whole struggles, but it's like, yeah, that that was out. And also one guest, funny enough <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> for her funny it, it was funny and she said, Yep, she would tell herself, you won't be this broke always. <laughs>
1: Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So what about what about for you? What what about those days when it all goes horribly wrong? When you have a really bad day, how do you deal with that?
0: A few things. So one, I try to take a deep breath and try to get my mindset back on. You know what? Someone out there is in a worse situation than me. This is a first-world problem, no matter what it is. And there's also the five minute rule where I try to keep telling myself it's like, all right, I'll give energy to this setback for a maximum of five minutes after that. I'll have to leave it alone because what's done is done. It's like certain actions. don't The only thing you can do when certain things happen is just to just adjust yourself accordingly after what happens because it heck, even like sometimes like with meeting with the boss, it's like, Oh, it's like, what the heck is this? It, Cause it's like I expect to get called in for one thing or nothing, and then it's to be some totally stupid. And I'm like, all right, um, no, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and ignore this and just keep keep my nose to the grindstone and realize that, hey, I'm building something big here, and it's something that's gonna be bigger than me. So, making sure that I don't stew over something for days on end because life is too short to be full of negative emotions that are going to serve you well and you won't be able to move as light or quickly if you keep letting yourself being hindered by negative emotions or setbacks that can be adjusted for something greater and better in the future
1: mm-hmm. yeah and what about those days where you get to live more so that's where you get to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the things that you feel you should do or you have to do what do those days look like for you
0: Oh, those days are great. Those days are great indeed. It's usually where I'm inspiring somebody and they laugh at one of my bad jokes, and it's like, all right, cool, all right, this is great. It's like, all right, one person laughed at it. I'm going to be torturing 30 other people with this other same joke, and they ain't going to see it coming either. <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm not gonna let you off with that one what else? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yep so all the jokes and also just being being well rested in the fact being well rested is another thing too and also like even if there's a moment where i can like revisit like video games every now and then if i can turn on the playstation every now and then and go in for like a good hour or maybe a 30 minutes or so like that and also just the fact that maybe even having good conversations with, with other human beings. Because using my podcast as well, it's it's a very enjoyable time, nine times out of ten, Especially with, with the fun folks like, all right, the energy is, is matched. We're in sync. We're aligned. All right. And then we're both using bad jokes after a while. It's like, yeah, all right, the mind control is complete. You're going to be saying yes, indeed, for the next 24 hours. is going to be awesome.
1: you need to go and buy one of those bad dad jokes books or something that that will help you with with that doing more of the bad jokes
0: (laughs) oh yeah i did read that book this year uh the twitter page for dad jokes says uh put all the twitter bad dad jokes in the book form i tortured my colleagues with that for two months this past summer so yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) and i thought i was joking
0: (laughs) nope you weren't
1: <laughs> Lovely. So thanks, Dom. Tell people how they can find out more about you and connect with you.
0: Sure thing. Feel free to Google me, Dominic Dom Brightman. Head over to dombreitman.vip. That's where you can find out all my other social media pages and shoot me an email directly as well. You can find my books, my podcast, as well as the YouTube page where I have some clips of past talks and presentations. As well, and heck, if you shoot me an email, you might even get a special present. And don't worry, it won't be a dad joke either.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's probably best to explain that, isn't it? <laughs> Lovely. Thanks for joining me, Dom. It's been good talking to you. Woohoo! Thanks for having me, Joe. All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to powertolivemore dot com forward slash in this case one three three, you'll find them there. And this week, I just want to talk about outsourcing. It's something that I've been doing for a number of years. I have a couple of VAs in the Philippines who do certain parts of my work for me that's very sort of um, administrative and weekly, and frankly in my view boring and relentless <laughs> but they have been doing it for ages and are really grateful to have the work and do a really good solid job for me. I don't uh, really hear from either of them unless there's a problem with something that I've produced or that I've not produced that they need in order to get their work done and I just pay them on a monthly basis and uh, all ticks along nicely. I had some other things that I really wanted to get somebody to do that I didn't want to outsource to them for various reasons and so I had sort of sat on that for a while and it's something that I talk about when I talk about outsourcing quite often which is that I think most of us understand the concept of it being a good thing to do, i.e., get somebody else to do our work so that we don't have to do it. <laughs> who, uh, you know, and somebody else who might be better at it, or more consistent, or have more attention to detail, or or whatever, more available perhaps. But the actual effort it takes to do it in first in finding somebody, uh, testing them out, if you like, uh, and then setting up. Whatever you need to set up, the processes, the the access to the various platforms and everything else to get it going is actually fairly time consuming. And that's what normally stops people. I think there's a load of barriers there that can get in the way. And I've recently started working with a new VA in the UK and uh, I just wanted to remind you of how helpful it can be whilst also acknowledging that it's, you know, a bit of a pain to get it started in the first place, pain for both of us, my new VA uh, and me, Um, but that it's absolutely really worth it in the end. So I have a few tasks that feed into some of the tasks that the VAs in the Philippines do that uh, I do you know really well sometimes and then i sort of forget to do or i put it off or I, I do it at the last minute or whatever and that's when they contact me to say have you done that bit yet and you know i know it's me that's holding up the process so i found somebody who can do those bits um and i literally have you know i found her uh, one of my podcast guests had a challenge on facebook i was in the facebook group saw that one of the people somebody from um i think canada or america the person in the Facebook group uh, was from the UK, saw that she was a VA, tracked her down through people per hour, got in contact and kicked things off from there. So a very random way of finding somebody, but actually she has been really good and I'm really pleased that, uh, that that's how it happened because, you know, sometimes you join these challenges and Facebook groups not not thinking they're going to be worth anything to you and clearly that was worth it from her point of view or so far. Maybe she'll uh, <laughs> decide differently further down the line. And it's taken probably 3 weeks to sort of get in t- touch get things kicked off work out what I needed to do and there's only three tasks to begin with and one of them doesn't even have any work <laughs> um outstanding at the moment but i just wanted to get her in the groove so that she was ready for when there was but it involved i don't know access to about five different platforms uh, i recorded a couple of videos uh she then couldn't get into a couple of the platforms i had to go back and have another look google calendar is messing around i've got a corporate account for my email and i realized that corporately or organizationally it was set up so i couldn't actually share my calendar so people can actually make changes to it so I've had to go in and set that which apparently takes 24 hours to propagate and that's still not sorted so um, we're still in the process of really getting things going but she has done a three two or three pieces of work for me and I just I'm already mightily relieved that I'm not going to need to do them and of course the knock-on effect is that my other two VAs will be also mightily relieved because they'll just be able to get on with their job instead of waiting for me the bottleneck so If you haven't thought about outsourcing, I'd really encourage you thinking about what parts of what you do you don't want to do, you're not very good at, you don't need to do, uh, and how you can possibly outsource them. And then think about how you might do that. And the thing to remember as well is it's, it's not always... Uh, as expensive as you think it's going to be I think some people hold back because they think it's like employing uh, an employee you know you're only paying for a few hours of work a week a month whatever and you can flex that according to your budget Uh, so you know if budget is an issue I'd start with the the one thing that really winds you up that you really hate doing that you're really not very good at and you really know that somebody else would be better at it than you and work out how much time that takes and then start looking on places like people per hour or some of the other sites that are offering people for outsourcing and see how much it's going to cost per hour for you to get somebody to help you and then work out, how often that needs to be done in your business and whether therefore you can find a bit of uh, money to pay for that. And uh, in most cases, I'm sure you will be able to. And actually the, the relief and the sort of exponential energy that's created by not now needing to do whatever that task was, and also the consistency of it just happening without you having to do it, should absolutely far outweigh the budget that you've put aside for it. So that's my challenge for you this week is to go and have a look at that one thing in your business that you really don't want to or need it to be doing and see what steps you can put in place to start to find somebody to do that for you. If I can help in any way then please do get in touch, Joe at powertovemoore dot com. And again the show notes for this week's show are at com forward slash one three three and we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your
0: power to live more.